You are listening to Standing Firm with your host, Pastor James Brown, Jr. This podcast is brought to you by Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity, to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered unto the saints, according to Paul's command in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, to be on guard, to stand firm in the faith, to act like men, and to be strong. For more information, visit us online at reformedholytrinity.org. That is reformedholytrinity.org. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and welcome back to Standing Firm. This is your host, Pastor James Brown, Jr. of Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity, and this is a special edition of the podcast because we have something of an urgent nature based upon a time frame to warn and inform while we at the same time sit back in bewilderment because... These are the things that make you go hmm. Things that make you go hmm. We're currently engaged in our Defending Calvinism series on the podcast, and we really do not have time or resources to focus upon all the things that are needful in this day and time. But some information came to my attention that I felt that we should address. We live in dangerous times because of the rank, ecclesiastical, individualism, and ignorance in American Christianity. The majority of professing Christians continue to believe and do what is right in their own eyes. And it is causing massive confusion and chaos throughout Western Christianity. Religiosity has not changed much throughout the history of mankind, and in our self-righteousness and self-deception, we act according to our own sinful and selfish desires while claiming it is in the name of God. Like Paul said of the Jews in Romans chapter 10, they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Ignorant religious zeal is a dangerous thing, and Paul knew firsthand. Paul describes himself in Philippians 3 as a poster boy of the Pharisees. He was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Paul was one of the leaders involved in the stoning of Stephen, and the persecution and murder of many other Christians in the first century. Before God's grace was revealed unto him by the determined will of God, Paul was killing in the name of God. Well, this is what Jesus told his disciples in John 16, that the Jews would put you out of the synagogues and even think that they were doing God's service by killing them. We have seen this extremism in many forms and repeated throughout history. Even today, Senator Nancy Pelosi quotes scripture and claims religious zeal in the murder of the unborn. 
Paul said that the root of this ignorant religious zeal was the gospel of autonomous self-righteousness. It is Genesis 3 repeated over and over again. There is a denial of the sufficiency of Scripture, a desire to establish your own righteousness apart from God's standard, and the dependence upon your own free will and human merits. It is an unholy trinity of human religiosity, and it produces the worst forms of depravity under the license of meism. Meism brings about the worst displays of man's depravity, both in doctrinal heresy and licentious behavior. The gospel of self cannot and never will produce faith or good works. It is corrupt seed because it is human, and we are told by Paul that corruption cannot produce incorruption. This is why we are slow and cautious here at Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity. We live in a theological jungle, and it is utter chaos in our society. The deceivers came along and turned the heart of the people away from Christ and his true church, and it was all for their own self-autonomous or their own autonomous selfism. We rejected the Bible as sufficient, rejected the creeds and confessions as outdated, and rejected the true institutional church for our own spirituality however you want to define it or practice it. This is what Paul warned the elders of Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, as he warned them to take heed therefore unto themselves and to all the flock of God, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Sure, there are many warnings, and even in this passage, there is warning of Antichrist outside the church. But the strongest warnings are those who will infiltrate us. This does not mean that they are part of some secret, satanic espionage group. As a matter of fact, they may think that they are well-intentioned, and you may think that they are well-intentioned. They may truly be sincere, but they have never been regenerated by the Spirit of God. And they are glory hounds like Diophanes, who love to have the position and the prestige. Or like Simon in Acts 8, who desire power. Whatever the reason, the greatest threat is those who identify with us, use the same words as us, but believe, teach, and practice that which is contrary to the word of God. Of course, they attempt to be accepted by us because that is the path to getting the desires of their own flesh, whatever their agenda happens to be, and they may not even know what their agenda is since we are told that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and who can know it? But they are not like those who are in Christ because they are void of the Spirit of God. As long as we preach and hold to the truth, they will reveal their true colors because they cannot abide with the truth of God. 
But if we compromise and give them authority, we will be implicit in destroying the flock of God with them. Wolves cannot help but do that which is according to their nature. However, what is so messed up is that we are not making these wolves work very hard today. They usually have to make sure that they get the sheep costume looking very authentic. But today, all they have to do is glue a few cotton balls together and we identify them as sheep and welcome them into the sheepfold. This is why we do not jump on bandwagons or join movements here at Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity. Movements are unregulated methods at infiltrating the church. We here at Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity belong to Christ and His church, and we don't want anything to do with parachurch movements and with all the wolves within them that are waiting to devour the sheep. Movements are breeding grounds for every false philosophy and every false way because it is easier than spending years having to adhere to Christian doctrine and practice in order to infiltrate. Movements give quick credibility to wolves because if they are engaged in the cause that you are concerned about, then they must be legit. But not every wolf is a card-carrying member of Satan's cabal. Most are useless idiots of Satan who are only seeking their own selfish interests. But even in issues where we may find agreement in certain causes, we must be careful not to allow Satan to entice us with the forbidden tree of the garden. This is why we take the time to properly investigate whether the issue belongs to the civil, ecclesiastical, or familiar branch of Christ's kingdom, and work within the boundaries and jurisdictions prescribed by God's holy word. This is why I have said, to the dismay of many, that I would stand shoulder to shoulder with a Roman Catholic priest in the civil realm to get Roe v. Wade overturned or legislation passed to end abortion. Now, I would be standing as a representative of Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity and as a minister of the gospel, but I must be careful to make sure that my efforts in this regard were regulated to this civil realm while never compromising my ecclesiastical beliefs, practices, and mission. Nevertheless, my purpose in the civil realm would be to promote and encourage the government's responsibility to justice according to Romans 13. If my efforts were evangelistic ministry on behalf of Christ and his church, I would not be able to stand with the Roman priest because to do so would be to enable and by implication endorse Rome's heretical views on the gospel and the church. Our doctrines and practices are too far apart and of a different nature for ecclesiastical unity. But it is this same principle that has caused me to be cautious and standoffish with those calling themselves abortion abolitionists. It's not that the term is wrong, but to identify with the movement is what is problematic. I do believe that abortion must be abolished as soon as possible. I believe in ending abortion on the individual level, the state level, and the national level. In that sense, I believe in the abolition of abortion. 
But the movement has signaled characteristics that have, at the very least, given me concern that we are not, as a whole, ecclesiastically compatible. This is not to say that I could not or would not also stand shoulder to shoulder with them in the civil realm to vote for a candidate or encourage our legislatures to enact justice for the unborn. Nevertheless, the abolition movement has at the very least sent some concerning signals concerning the gospel and the authority of the church. And that is saying it as nice as I can because it is not just red flags but direct proclamations and applications that have sent very clear messages concerning a false view of the gospel and a false view of the church. Then just this week I saw some additional examples that raise concern in other areas such as the sufficiency of the Bible and quite frankly, some real fruitcake type stuff. And these things raise a lot of questions, since abolitionists constantly raise hell about the Roman Catholics engaged in the civil realm to end abortion, and have condemned me for saying that in the civil realm I would work with Roman Catholics. The reason why the information that came to light is troubling is because it shows some real inconsistency and lack of discernment by many in the abolitionist movement. You cannot on one hand condemn working in the civil realm with those who are a part of an heretical church, when you are willing to work in the ecclesiastical realm with those who are autonomously heretical. It does not make sense, and make no mistake about it, the call to the holy, a time of mourning event, being hosted by Kim Chadwell, is just as bad if not worse than the Roman apostasy. As a matter of fact, if I was going to work with heretics in the ecclesiastical realm, I would unite with the historical Roman Catholics before I would ever think about joining up with these modern libertines. But that is my preference. Of course, I'm not going to, but that is the point. The reason why I will not unite ecclesiastically with Romanists is the same reason why I will not unite with Libertines. And this kind of crap found in the event called to the holy a time of mourning is not the first example. However, it is the first example that I am speaking about publicly. I have sat back and waited for questions to be answered and clarifications but all to no avail, and it has been a waste of time, since it is a movement where there is really no one to ask, because everyone you ask will provide you with a different answer, and every answer is just as authoritative as the other, because it is a movement. Plus, if you nail them down on anything, they will just revert back to, it's not an organization, it's a movement, and by implication, they're saying that the details do not really matter. This is why Jesus did not start a movement, but instituted a church. Movements are a waste of time because they can never last due to the ambiguity of an actual standard of authority, and then the fickleness created by its lack of institutional leadership. But I digress. So let's point out some of the problems. First, there 
is a denial of the sufficiency of Scripture both by declaration and practice. In one of Kim Chadwell's YouTube videos titled Closet Words, the video begins with these words. And I quote, A glimpse of the words given by God to someone who had the courage to earnestly seek Him. End of quote. Now there are two obvious problems with the words of this statement. First, the someone whom God has given words to in the Christian worldview are prophets and apostles. This is probably why the title of Kim Chadwell's website is called Prophetic Words. As a matter of fact, she has videos and transcripts of the prophetic words that she has received and says so on her website. Yes, she actually believes she receives direct words, dreams, and visions from God. Then there is a warning on her website that states, and I quote, Prophetic words are taken very, very seriously. Prophetic words are not to be changed. But Kim Chadwell and Kim Chadwell Ministries Incorporated gives you permission to copy these words in exact form. However, if it is found that you have changed, added, subtracted, or altered these prophetic words, you will be pursued for copyright infringement. The reason why they cannot be changed is because she believes they are inspired revelations from God. The second problem with the statement is the man-centered focus. Someone who had the courage to earnestly seek him. The him obviously a reference to God and the someone is obviously a reference to a human being. The statement is referring to the author, Kim Hilton, of the book Closet Words. But Kim Hilton is actually the same person as Kim Chadwell, and later you're going to find out that uh, it's also the same person as Esther Kim Chadwell. At any rate, listen to the description of the book, and I quote, Taken word for word as heard from God. Closet Words is a collection of powerful and penetrating words written down in the stillness of a prayer closet. Hearing from God for several years, Kim Hilton began writing down what she heard, encouraging, uplifting, and challenging words with a clear message to his servants. Closet Words gives a renewal and refreshing word to the Christian believer. End of quote. Well, as in the old 1960s show, we could say, Holy, here we go again, Batman. You see, these same old heresies just keep reappearing, and we have leaders within the abolitionist and Operation Save America movements yoking up with them like it's the apostles themselves. But maybe that's the thing. Maybe they think it is the apostles, since those in these circles love to ordain themselves as prophets and apostles. Or in this case a prophetess. And, by the way, what would you call a female apostle? 
Well, I don't really know, but whatever that may be, one thing is for certain. The focus is not upon the Word of God, at least not in the historical sense, but upon their new revelations. Of course, they will say that these revelations cannot go against Scripture and blah, blah, blah. But we all know that that is a cop-out. Any additions or subtractions always changes the meaning of anything. Now, I do not want to go through all the statements about this event. And I don't want to make you have to sit and listen and endure too much of this stuff. But I do want to provide enough evidence to warn you so that you will not mindlessly expose yourself to these delusions just because they are against abortion. Let me remind you that Romanists are against abortions. Orthodox Jews are against abortion. Muslims are against abortion. Does that mean that we should join up in prayer, evangelism, and religious practices with any of these other groups? Well, of course not. Then why is it okay to join up with Kim Chadwell and others who are also false teachers? That is the question. So let's listen to this first clip. Hi, this is Kim Chadwell. A call of Esther. A call to the holy, a time of mourning, weeping for the innocent, repenting of sin. This is this weekend, February 1st through February 3rd, 2019. It begins at 9 a.m. Eastern times. For those of you that are in a different time zone, schedule accordingly to your time zone. It's going to begin at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on Friday and end 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday. During this time, we have a handful of prayer warriors and powerhouse believers who are going to come online live for a few minutes of prayer with you. You can go to Facebook and go to the event, A Call to the Holy, A Time of Mourning, and you'll see information there. Some of you are just getting this information and you're wondering why. Well, first of all, the Lord told me this just a few days ago. And there has not been months or weeks of time of notice to get word out and information out. The Lord told me, I just got chills and I'm shaking as I speak, our time is very, very short. And we must do this very quickly. So she said, the Lord told me, and the proof, of course, is that she had chills and was shaking as she was speaking. This is complete and utter foolishness. I I, I really hope we haven't reached the point in conservative Christianity and what is supposed to be orthodox Christianity, that we cannot discern this. The Lord did not tell her anything. And she can try to put her hexes and spells and whatever else she wants on me, but I'm telling you, the Lord did not tell her anything. She is a liar and a false prophet. And he especially did not tell her to lead Christians in teaching and communion and fasting or in prayer. She is like the false prophets of Israel, whom it is said in Ezekiel chapter 13 and verse 7 that they had seen a vain vision and spoken a lying divination because although they say the Lord said it, the Lord had not spoken. 
You see, she is like the prophets of Ezekiel 22 who saw vanity and divined lies, saying, Thus saith the Lord, when the Lord hath not spoken. Now, whatever is going on with her, we know that it's not the Lord. You see, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And how come she is not speaking according to the words of Paul in relation to the ecclesiastical practices of the church and the offices of the church? Well, it's because there is no light in her. That's why. You can tell who has light in them by whom and what they are reflecting. As Christians, we reflect the light of Christ through his word, not our own word, but his word. You see, we have a more sure word of prophecy that Peter described because it is not of any private interpretation. We also have a more sure word of prophecy, Peter wrote, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Not holy women of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Holy men of God. That's how the word of God has came into the world. Now any modern teacher who points others to their own inspired revelation is not a Christian, but a narcissist. They are self-absorbed in their own power, authority, health, wealth, and prosperity. So let's take a listen to Kim Chadwell's self-description of her event that's coming this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. More information is going to be coming, and as we update it again, we've had just a few days, a handful of days, to pull this together. But I am telling you, I'm telling you, the Lord told me, this morning. Our time is short. Well, here are a few other quick clips that I'd like for you to listen to just to let you know what we are dealing with. For the first time, I have been comfortable with a name that I am called. I have received numerous messages that I am a modern Esther. And you know, for the first time, I felt peace. I've had many people say I'm a prophet. I I may be, but I don't like calling myself that. I do receive intense, powerful, prophetic words. Most of you know that who are listening. But I don't like to call myself that. But if I am going to go to the grave with the name of a modern Esther or the name Esther Kim Chadwell, I am totally comfortable with this. I am telling you, I'm urging you, I am warning you, I am shouting to you, we must do this as a body. We must tell as many people as we can. Don't worry about their response. Tell them, tell them, tell them. You will be guilty for not telling them about this weekend. Telling you the Lord showed me what was coming and he showed me again this morning. Our time is very, very short. The judgment and the wave is coming. The Lord showed me when his hand was removed I put a video out on that. Hi, this is Kim Hilton. Thank you for joining me today. I am sharing with you a prophetic word that I received in four portions 
addressed to four different groups of people. Hi, this is Kim. What time is it? It's time to understand what door just closed. Just a few days ago, at the time of this recording, Reverend Billy Graham passed away on February 21st, 2018. When I read the news, which was probably just about an hour or two hours at most of when the news was released, or after his death, and I read it, when I read it, I got chills all over me, and then I said and turned to someone, I said, Billy Graham just died. And then I said, it has been prophesied that at the time of his death or after his death, that great persecution will come and also a great revival will come forth or be birthed. When I said those words, about 24 words, that sentence, I got chills over my entire body and I shook for over 15 minutes. Since that time, which is just about three days now, four days, I have felt an unbelievable amount of weeping in my soul and spirit and have wept many tears since the announcement of his death. And I want to share with you the reason why and some words the Lord gave to, gave to me and the vision I had. Hi, this is Kim. I'm going to share with you the full prophetic word that I received that I have divided into four portions, although I did receive it as a whole. When I did receive it, it took a period of over 72 hours. I did not sleep for four days when I received it. A portion of this went out worldwide on True News just after I got it. Yes, I would say narcissist is a good word to describe her. I just cannot imagine that anyone would associate themselves with her. I mean, the, these clips are just astounding. It's absolutely nuts. But it really shouldn't seem so strange because the leader of the abolitionists here in Indiana has personally told me that he too, along with his sidekick, is a prophet. Now folks, we could play stuff like this all day, but... Let's move on. On Friday evening, we are going to have an hour of silence for the unborn. We may, also, we may have that on Saturday night, I'm not for sure, but Sunday night, we are going to end the event with communion. There is a schedule that will be posted. And what we are going to do when we end at 9 p.m., from 9 to 9:10 we want everyone to partake of communion where you are at and where you are located you can purchase something if you wish or if you can use some bread and some juice or some water which is symbolic it is clear that this is a brazen woman who is so self-absorbed that she believes she can like Uzziah intrude into the holy things of God when she has not been commanded to do so she is stealing that which belongs to Christ and his church and using it as a means to advance her own selfish agenda. This, my friends, is wicked, it is abominable, and it is apostate. First, Paul is very clear on certain matters concerning the ministry of the church, and in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he says that the women should adorn themselves in 
modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety and not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. And then he gives a reason, and it's based upon the created, uh, the revelation in, in creation. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Yet, here we find Kim Chadwell brazenly ordaining herself as a teacher when Paul says that women should not be brazen, but they should learn in silence with all subjection. Peter uses the terms a meek and quiet spirit. But Paul does not mince words here. Women are not to teach men or usurp authority over men, but are to be hearers and receivers of the word in the corporate assembly. And, by the way, It is to be in the context of the church, a real institutional, duly constituted, and visible church, not some social media fake church. But Kim Chadwell, she she receives direct revelations from God, which means if they are inspired, they would by necessity be authoritative over men. And that creates a problem. Are you going to receive Paul as inspired or Kim as inspired? Because you cannot receive the both of them. One of them is wrong. One of them is in error. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to teach or to speak. So it's being stated there, not permitted unto them to teach, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Unruly, autonomous women were a problem in the first century due to the influence of the pagan, Greek, and Roman society, especially in the false religions and gods of the Greeks and the Romans. This is why we find this warning in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 22 to the church in Thyatira about the woman Jezebel calling herself a prophetess who was teaching and seducing God's servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Well, in this case, it is not actual physical fornication and physical um, idolatry, but... False teachers today, like Kim Chadwell, are seducing God's servants to commit spiritual fornication and to spiritually sacrifice to idols. But the Bible is clear that she has usurped a position that does not belong to her. And if that was not enough, she is also usurping a spiritual sacrifice that does not belong to her. Communion is a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and it belongs to the New Testament church. It does not belong to her to use according to her own whims whenever she wants to. I mean, who does she think that she is to take the holy things of God and use them for her own interests? Where does she think she gets the authority to even consider those things? 
What she is spiritually doing in the New Testament is equivalent to someone who is not an ordained priest going into the tabernacle or temple to offer sacrifice or incense. For example, Uzziah, as we mentioned earlier. And what she is doing is taking that which is holy and offering it to the dogs. Not that everyone on the receiving end in this event is a dog, but it is being taken out of the church and offered in a public market. It is disrespectful to Christ and to his church. It comes from a high view of self and a lack of reverence towards the things of God. So if I haven't been clear enough already, let me be clear now. If you say you are truly an Orthodox Christian and you are participating with Kim Chadwell or those who are enabling her or others similar to her, then you need to repent and return back in subjection to Christ and His Holy Church. If you are Reformed and you are participating with Kim Chadwell or those who are enabling her or others like her, then you are not in subjection to the doctrinal and uh, 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 practical standards of our faith. You are either ignorant, a fool, or an imposter, but you are not advancing the gospel and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. If you are an abortion abolitionist, and you are browbeating and condemning Roman Catholics in the abortion movement, but saying nothing about this kind of apostasy, then you are just an ignorant bully and a self-serving coward who is either afraid of women or a slave to women. That's right. With all of your attempts to be hyper-macho, you are really just a wimp. Now, I realize that you may be an Orthodox Christian, Reformed, or an abortion abolitionist residing in places either in America or the world where unorthodox beliefs and practices are not taking place within the context of uh, abortion abolition. I'm not trying to paint with a broad brush here. Being involved in the anti-abortion movement does not mean you are endorsing or associating with people like Kim Chadwell or you may be in just do not know it yet. But once you know it, you are required to speak, and what I mean by associating with, I'm talking about in an ecclesiastical sense. But once you do know it, you are required to speak up in the context of the proper authority of the church. This communion event, this Sunday night, in this call to the holy, a time of mourning, is licentious, arrogant, and in rebellion to Christ. Now let's consider the next clip. Three things during this time. Number one, put the Word of God over your door frames. Crucial. Number two, no consuming of alcohol during this time. Many of you don't drink. Many of you do. No alcohol, no fermented drink to your lips. Number three, abstain from sexual activity. Now, I don't want to talk about the fasting from sex and alcohol, for crying out loud. But I do want to talk about this putting the Word of God over your door frames foolishness. You see, this kind of stuff is rampant in the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel lunacies. 
And I have heard of people anointing the boundaries of their property with olive oil for protection against demons or whatever, and, uh, you know, and anointing the boundaries of their property for blessings, for good luck. Now, this kind of stuff is ignorant. But heaven forbid if a Roman Catholic wears a crucifix or a rosary. But I ask, what, what's the difference? What, what difference does it make? Now, there is nothing wrong with having a Bible verse or a cross over your doorframe. In our house, we have multiple Bible passages, crosses, and other Christian artwork in our home. But we do not believe there is any special power in these articles. A cross over our doorframe is not going to cause us to be blessed or protected any more than passing on that email to ten of my friends. It's ludicrous and crazy. But the problem is when Amy Schlichter of Hoosiers for Life and the activist mommy Elizabeth Johnson are teamed up with Kim Chadwell and other prophetic teachers like Linda Klingle in this event, and then they are endorsed by others calling themselves Reformed and even engaging in these same kinds of activities with them. Listen, if there is a constitutional political candidate or a piece of legislation that needs promoted or refuted, it is perfectly legitimate to stand with them in the civil realm. But I do not understand why we are yoking up with them for evangelism, worship, communion, missions, or anything that falls under the operation of the church. So we will join up and yoke up with them, with heretics. But you can't get two Reformed churches together to form any kind of an association, a presbytery, or a denomination, or whatever. It makes no sense. And it cannot be excused. And I am sorry, but I will not violate Scripture in order to keep street screechers happy. No matter how much you scream and yell for politicians or Romanists to repent, I think there needs to be some true repentance and conformity to Christ and His church before we start sending people out to represent Christ to the world. Now, I realize some may get mad at the statements made in this podcast, but listen. If this does not pertain to you, then why get mad? If these things do not describe you, then I am not talking about you. This may not be true of you, but it is true of those I have pointed out in this podcast, and it is true of many. All I can do is proclaim the truth concerning these things and hope that those who need to make application will. But without question, the denial of the sufficiency of Scripture libertine ecclesiastical practices, snake oil theology, the desecration of the offices and sacraments of the church and all the other kookiness cannot be tolerated. And if that's what you want to ecclesiastically be united with, then have at it. But they do not have any part with us ecclesiastically, and I am not going to have any part with them either. You have been listening to Standing Firm. Please join us again next time as we continue in our series, Defending Calvinism. Until then, may God bless. One, two, one, two.